0: as we continue upstairs to move to God's Word, I invite you to open your Bibles to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. The book of James is in the New Testament. It hides right after the book of Hebrews, which is longer, and then if you get into 1 and 2 Peter, um, you got to go back a little ways. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. This will continue our series on the seven deadly sins. And the sign is getting brighter over time as we pay attention to the sins that will naturally occupy space in our heart where there is darkness, that sin likes to lurk in the shadows or even disguise itself as light. But as we move, we replace the sins with the virtues and we seek the virtues that will enable us to love God and love neighbor with our heart and soul and mind and strength And so going from sloth to diligence, from lust to faithfulness, from anger to patience, from pride to humility, and today with envy we move towards gratitude. And as we do so, we'll read from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. But before we read together, let's pray. God, you have offered us all kinds of wisdom in your word. And if that were not enough, you sent your Holy Spirit to illumine your word to us, to help our hearts and minds to to make sense of what you have given us in your word, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to, to empower us to pursue that wisdom and to live into it and live out of it. And so we ask that you send your Holy Spirit anew upon us this morning. That the words which we read, whether it be ink on paper or pixel on screen, may be your word to us, and that your Holy Spirit will plant it within us so that it may yield good fruit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every kind of evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I find this kind of to be uh, too much green. Almost a kind of obnoxious color. And it makes me think of being green with envy. Oh man, all of these have a phrase that we all know. Green with envy goes the phrase. And Envy can turn us into something that we otherwise would not be. And envy will always compete against gratitude and will make us less grateful for what we have and will also turn us towards greed. As James says, every kind of evil practice will find its way in with envy. But our goal is to be aware of envy and let the light shine upon it that gratitude, which is what we were created for, may shine forth. You might have heard the story of the man who uh, came across a genie and he, you know, rubbed the lamp and was granted three wishes and that came with a catch that the man was told, I know that you hate your neighbor and so I want you to know that I'll grant you whatever wishes you want but your neighbor gets twice as much of whatever you ask for. And at first, the man thought that he could handle this. And so, so his first wish, of course, was, was, well, you know, I have an old vehicle. I want a brand new truck, a beautiful, top-of-the-line new truck. And so he got his wish. And then he looked across, and in his neighbor's driveway were two new trucks. And he thought he could stomach that, that he could push the envy away. But, but, his, but now, even the truck he had did not seem as good because his neighbor had two So he wished for a billion dollars, and it all appeared in his his house, full of cash. And he looked across, and his neighbor's house, the the door was overflowing as two billion dollars was spilling out onto the porch. The billion dollars he had no longer seemed like enough because his neighbor had two billion dollars. Envy could not be calmed. And so the man thought long and hard about his last wish, and finally he came up with the perfect solution, and he asked the genie, I want you to scare me half to death. (laughs) Envy will make it seem like we never have enough, and it will make us bitter not only about what we don't have, but about what someone else does have. Envy will make us want what other people have. This is selfish ambition, as James puts it in verse 13. But greed also can operate this way, but maybe what sets envy apart from greed is that it makes us wish that someone else doesn't have something. It's like it's only good if I have it and only me. We might see this and, and know that it's normal developmental immaturity among toddlers who fight over a toy, 20 toys in the room, but everyone wants the one thing that someone else have, has, and it's only good if they have it and someone else doesn't. There is no amount of Paw Patrol toys that can satisfy the envy of toddlers, But we might think that toddlers are immature, but that immaturity follows us. Without any kind of spiritual discipline, without attention to the envy that stirs in our hearts, without a focus on the virtue of gratitude being the way that we are to live our lives, that immaturity will follow us throughout our lives. Consider the star athlete, the the veteran athlete, who suddenly feels threatened by the rookie, the rookie of the year who shows great talent and promise. All of a sudden, your talent doesn't feel as good because someone else is getting some spotlight. Consider the first chair musician who sees the new talent as a threat, that your own voice or instrumentation no longer seems like enough because someone just as good as you, maybe better, is perceived not as a celebration, not as grateful for music to be performed by a group, but as a threat. To your place. Consider in the Old Testament that King Saul, even when he reigned as king, felt threatened because envy was creeping into his heart because King David, not yet king, but David, was gaining popularity and affection of the people. And the song that that, that got inside Saul's heart was when the people sang, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his tens of thousands. People's love for David bothered Saul a lot. I also am concerned about how he would fix that problem by killing tens of thousands of people. Um, And perhaps Jesus uh, would speak into that time and period and say, maybe killing the most people isn't what we should be competing about. But it's bitter envy. It's no longer about what you have or don't have. It's also about what you wish other people didn't have. There's a phrase, just to check the temperature of your heart. Without me saying it and using any wording or tone of inflection in my voice, I want you to read this, if you're here in the sanctuary, to read this as it is on the screen, in your head. Now for those who are maybe listening um, online or on CD, we'll read the phrase, I'll read the phrase out loud. Your life is as good right now as it is ever going to be. Your life is as good right now as it is ever going to be. Now, as you ponder that, how does that strike you? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Does that statement make you pleased and happy? Is it a statement of assurance or, or is it cause for concern and, and unfortunate thoughts? Does it fill you with envy for other people's lives, maybe for what they have? Does it make you look at what you do day after day, week after week, and make you envious of what someone else does with their life, the life they live, or their relationship status, or the family that they have? or the car that they drive, or the wealth that they have acquired, or the job that they have, or the friends that they're surrounded with, or the social connections that seem to come so easily to them. If we read that statement, your life is as good right now as it is ever going to be. It can prick our hearts with the envy that might be waiting for us. Because if we're not very pleased with our lives, if we're not feeling particularly grateful, as we won't feel grateful all of the time, it is a discipline to be grateful, to live a life of gratitude. If we're not feeling particularly grateful, this type of statement will make us think about the person whose life we wish we had. And at that moment, gratitude for our life will cease and will give way to envy. Or maybe we read this and it makes us smile to look around and know that life's not perfect and it never will be, but we're going to be okay. Maybe life is as good right now as it is ever going to be. That's not meant to be a declarative statement that removes any room for improvement, but it is meant to be a phrase that checks our spiritual temperature for how we feel about our life. Friends, that phrase might fill us with gratitude. And if it does or if it doesn't, I would encourage you still to find things that you are grateful for. Because what we are learning in neuroscience is that gratitude will rewire our brain. New neural pathways will fire in our brains, and it will change our perception and outlook of life. But that's not just having five minutes of saying what you're thankful for, it is a disciplined lifestyle of gratitude to focus on the things that we are grateful for, and in humility to know that anything in this earth is not permanent. As we heard from the words of Jesus that Pastor Audrey read from the Gospel of Luke, the things of this world and the people of this world will pass away. Moth and rust will destroy possessions. And as we're reminded by the flowers in front of the pulpit today that we received from Evelyn Brower and family, people we love will die yet we find things to be grateful for. And that's where we discover that true wisdom in verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. That comes from someone who figures life is as good right now as it's ever going to be, and so I'm going to live my life with as much gratitude as I can find you see on the next slide just a, a clever turn on a phrase. The grass is always greener where you water it. Envy will always make us revert to the more popular phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. But that just makes us envy, envious. It makes us think about what someone else has and wishes for that. But the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you choose to water it. Verse 14 tells us to not, not boast about our bitter envy or selfish ambition, nor to deny the truth. False humility is no humility at all, nor is bragging about the grass that we have. But the gratitude will lead us to care for what we have been entrusted with, water your own grass, and worry a little bit less about your neighbor's grass what we are envious of or what we're grateful for will quickly put us in the realm of motivation. Thinking of the two ways that we move from where we are to somewhere else, often are, are the two words that we could revert to are what do we want to acquire or what do you want to accomplish? If your life is not everything that you want it to be right now, Maybe at New Year's, there were some goals set. What do I want to acquire in life? Or what do I want to accomplish differently with my life? And this will raise questions of motivation. And for motivation, it's good to turn to books like James, which are books full of wisdom that make us wonder about the motives in our own hearts. Because gratitude the virtue that, that roots out envy. Gratitude doesn't lead to a certain type of contentedness with life that makes us lazy or passive. To be grateful and to say that life is as good right now as it's ever going to be doesn't mean we sit on our hands for the rest of our lives. Because the first virtue that we looked at was diligence. We still work towards things. We set goals. We pursue noble causes. And we do so with diligence. That there might be things that we want to acquire. There might be tasks that we want to accomplish. But envy and gratitude will help us discern what healthy motives are. And if we're just falling into a trap where there will never be enough or where we'll always resent what someone else has. If your life isn't all you want it to be right now, what do you need to do? Our motivation and ambition can be good, But also, they need to be watched carefully. That it doesn't turn into the bitter envy and selfish ambition that James chapter 3 verse 14 warns us about. They're tricky things to watch. Verse 16 calls us out to say, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. I think of King Saul and King David again, but when King David was king and he had everything he could ever want, he had safety and security and loyalty, and then it was one episode that, that ruined him, that every kind of evil practice cropped up, and it was coveting another person's wife, and it led to lying, it led to murder, it led to being a conspiracy of ancient Israel And King David was not impeached, but he was called out by the prophet Nathan. And he had to admit that he had done wrong. But it all started with envy. It started with coveting what was not his own to the point where he wanted to take away Uriah the Hittite's life so that he could have Bathsheba, the one that he lusted after, the one that he envied, the one that he coveted all to himself. what do you want in life? And how do you make sure it doesn't turn into envy? I think about people who want more friends or more connection. Do we want more friends, more social connection for popularity because it makes us feel good to be popular and well-liked? Or do we want friendship because we need mutual connection with other human beings? And since friendship is mutually beneficial, Do we want more friends because we want to care deeply about other people, to know what's going on in their lives so that we can care for them? Because it does make us feel special to be cared for, but we find the most meaning in life when we begin to care for someone else, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you want to acquire more friends? What for? To what end? Do you want to accomplish a certain task? Is it to feed your pride? Or is it to serve God's kingdom? Is it so that we can pat ourselves on the back? Or so that we can know that we made a difference for good and for God in this world? If you want more friends and people in your life, the best advice that we can pull from from the whole of the scriptures is to simply start by caring about someone else and see how that goes. And to know that you might get burned along the way. But when we care deeply for other people, we find true meaning. And some people will care back for us in return. And there we find true connection and relationship. It all comes back to loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. Envy will always make us want what someone else has. And it will also make us wish that they didn't have what they do have. Jesus knew this well. Jesus knew our hearts. And he knew that envy and selfish ambition would be followed by disorder and every kind of evil practice. And he told a parable to this end. When you hear the parable, I want to just read it in the words that Jesus used, paying special attention to the last line. Whether this is the first time you've heard this or whether it's a familiar word. Listen fresh again with the Holy Spirit's blessing. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is a normal day's wage. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, the ones who had done the least, they came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, when they came, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and, and you have made them equal to us, and have, we have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as i gave you don't i have the right to do what i want with my own money or are you envious because i am generous are you envious because i am generous and so the last will be first and the first will be last friends the greatest generosity is the love of Jesus Christ who gave himself up on the cross for our sins and for our salvation and that God is generous with God's love and this can only be met with one response for us and it is the response of gratitude. But we can be envious of those who seem to have gotten a little bit more of God's love and favor than us. Which is why we can go into a spiral if we get too stuck on just counting the things that we have as what we're grateful for, at some point or another, we will fall into envy. And so in final closing, see on the last slide, as we consider that phrase, your life is as good right now as it's ever going to be. As you might wonder, what do I want to acquire in life? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to do differently? Reading the book of James, this section in James will remind us that we will be tempted to envy. And when we realize that the things that we're envious of, there will never be enough if we base our lives just on what we want or the stuff that we have. So where do we actually start with gratitude? We start with asking if we are truly grateful for the love of God. Is the fact that Jesus died for you and rose again for you is that enough to be grateful for? If it's not, we will never escape envy. If it is, we start from that place of gratitude that God's love is good enough for us and that that's not meant for us to envy of anyone else but to share in gratitude. So we're not waiting to be grateful until we've acquired this or accomplished that. Because if we tell ourselves that we'll be grateful once X, Y, or Z happens, it will never be enough. We start with being grateful for God's love and that that is enough and that everything else that we're grateful for grows from that foundation of gratitude for Christ's love for us. And it's enough. Yes, Yesterday at Evelyn Brower's funeral, the last song was Because He Lives. I want to close with those words. And I invite you to think of them in terms of envy and gratitude and wonder if it truly is enough to be grateful for God's love and if that can be the starting place of gratitude that leads us out of envy. Join with me if you know these words. Because he lives I can face tomorrow Because he lives All fear is gone Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Let's pray. God, life is worth the living just because you live. Let that be enough for us. Let that be enough for us to build a life and discipline of gratitude on that foundation. Because you live, that is enough. And we are grateful for your love for us. That our sins, our shortcomings, our faults have been given to you. And you declare over us that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and that nothing can separate us from your love. Lord, this is enough. Move within our hearts that we are grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. This time I want to invite Mallory Sullivan forward to share with us.